Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it. Stay over there, monkey. You stay over there. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. I hope everybody's having a beautiful day. It's Tuesday. The world is unfolding in ways in which you've never imagined before. And I've brought to you someone who seems to be on the forefront. Someone who seems to me with his incredible newsletter, with his ability to forecast the future. Maybe that's because he's always on the front line and it seems to be he's the person creating the future. The one and only Israel Wilson, business developer, innovator, creating at the intersection of Web3 and AI. Israel is a seasoned professional advisor with over 10 years experience in business, development spanning across social media, entertainment, finance, and education. I recommend everyone check out his newsletter, Founding the Future. A man that's passionate about merging culture and tech, always learning, always building. Israel, thanks for being here today, man. How are you feeling? Thanks for having me. I'm feeling, I'm feeling great. Nice, man. You look great. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful day. And I'm so excited that I, I was, you know how I found you is I was just cruising through LinkedIn and I came across this newsletter, the founding, founding the future. And there's so much cool stuff in there that speaks to everybody out there that wants to get a leg up. And it's almost like a little window into the future, man. But before we jump into that newsletter, I was wondering yeah. if you could give us a little background on who you are, how you came up and, and what you're up to. Man, I was wondering how you found me, and I'm glad I and I'm glad that I started writing that newsletter. I'm actually getting back to it. Um, I've been building, I've been focused on building this community, and kind of when I zoom in on something, I kind of I've kind of focused hyperly on that. I've been having to create all these courses and stuff. But yeah, so um, I've always been a I always was into the future since I was a kid. I think I was really dissatisfied. We both had a commonality. Um, we lived in, you almost live in San Diego. <laughs> How dare you? I grew up in San Diego. I went to, um, and I, and I, I grew up in, in uh, a, a couple miles from the border. I spent the early majority of my life. I moved there when I was about 
five is San Ysidro, California, right. in uh, south southern part of San Diego. And um, and during that time, I, you know, I was I was dissatisfied. I think I think a lot of that was built on dissatisfaction with the way things are, and that led me to start thinking about the possibilities and way things could be. I started reading really young, and I uh, and I got deep into sci-fi, and so I read Dean Koontz and um, and Robert Heinlein, and was a big fan of Frank Herbert and Dune and things like that, and and just basically got into this place where, one moment, one moment. Yeah, man, you got it. And um, and so I, I got into I basically uh, got into sci-fi and everything uh, at that at that time, delved deep into that. And um, hold on one more. Yeah, you got it, man. Always a sci-fi, man. There's so many awesome sci-fi books that help people envision the future. There's a there's a great series called. Uh, Red Rising, for those of you that are watching, looking for like a sci-fi series called Red Rising. It'll blow your mind. I think that the, uh, I don't know, it, it's, a, it's a tremendous series if you get a chance. There's like five books in it. It's called Red Rising, Morning Star, Golden Sun, Dark Age. And I think they just came out with a new one called Lightbringer. But it it's like a metaphor for the class system. And it uses different races in space to talk about the haves and the have-nots. I'll see if Israel's figure or, or if he has read that book. But Herbert Dune, awesome book. Uh, Isaac Asimov, another stellar, another stellar um, sci-fi series of books to read. So those are some of my favorites. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, Minor, man. My, I got a I got a fifteen year old man. Ah. <laughs> well, congratulations, man. You know what I mean. Well, a lot of lot of work, but you know what? Happy and healthy, man. That's all you can ask for, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, healthy, healthy is all you can ask for. Ah. <laughs> but but yeah. Um, so I was deeply so I got I was deep into sci fi. Um, really, um, big became a big part of my life. And I was always looking out, looking out, looking out, dissatisfied with the way things were. I thought that the projection of the future, I thought we would have already gotten here, but it seems like now we're at this hockey stick point in time. And suddenly all the thoughts, processes that I had, all the things that I was interested in suddenly became popular interest. So, you know, artificial intelligence, what's now called Web3, cryptocurrency, and all these things. And so um, about 15 years ago, I read the Bitcoin white paper, 15 years ago, coming up in November, I read the Bitcoin white paper, and in, uh, I was already inspired to do these token experiments because I realized that human beings are valuable, but money is a medium of exchange in that value exchange, and that we couldn't solve the problems of society within the current its current confines. And I'm still out. I'm still looking out to that. Every time I'm sitting in traffic, I'm sit. I'm I'm dissatisfied with why are things like this? Things are. There's so many things that are the way they are, um, not because they serve us, but because they're preserved by people with their own interests, self-interest, or a lack of interest in changing things. And these decisions 
um, hopefully are made by better parties. And it looks like, you know, if I was to give one perspective, uh, if I was to fast forward 100 years from now, I don't believe that human beings are going to be trusted to make decisions because we just don't make the best decisions. And our, and our society is a result of our poor decisions. Man, I am glad you read sci-fi, man. And I'm glad, in a way, I'm glad you came up the way you did because someone who has the insights, the ability and the imagination to create the future, you know, I'm hopeful that that person is someone who wants to benefit mankind by making the younger versions of himself better. You know, it, it seems that, you know, I was, I was going to jump into this a little bit ago, but I'm going to read off, like, I'm going to read off a few positive aspects and a few negative aspects and then tell you what those aspects are about. But then see if you can guess what they are, okay? So okay. first comes a list of positive aspects. Rapid innovation. With fewer restrictions, innovators could build upon existing ideas more freely, leading to accelerated technological process. Two, collaboration. Open sharing of knowledge could foster greater collaboration among creators and researchers, leading to more interdisciplinary breakthroughs. Number three, affordable access. Reduced copyright restrictions make more creative works more accessible, especially in less developed regions, improving education and cultural exchanges. Diverse interpretations. Art and media could be reimagined and interpreted by various artists, resulting in a richer and more diverse cultural landscape. Five, community-driven development. Communities could actively contribute I should read that part again. Communities could actively contribute to improving and extending technologies, adopting them to specific needs. These would be the negative aspects. Number one, diminished incentives. Without strong protection, creators might have less incentive to invest time and resources in innovation, potentially slowing progress. Two is quality control. Lower barriers to copying could lead to lower quality products and services as competitors rush to replicate without sufficient development. Economic impact, reduced protection of intellectual property, might detour investments and disrupt traditional business models, impacting economic stability. Ethical concerns, creative works might be exploited without proper attribution or compensation to creators. Cultural erosion, strict copyright laws can protect cultural heritage and indigenous knowledge from being appropriated without consent or belief. And the, the question I had asked was, a world with less strict patents and copyright laws could have both positive and negative implications. And after reading your newsletter, so many different things, it seems to me, Israel, that's kind of what we're seeing right now is like this breaking apart of the poor decision-making of the past or these guarded gatekeepers or these rails that are only letting so people funnel into the top, man. What do you think? I would say that both there, they, I would say that both the positive and the negative have caveats Okay. I don't think that I, I, you know, I would say that definitely that the positives outweigh the negatives, but the positive of collaboration is really hard with our current structure of, of corporate structure. Right. So I, I've always, I keep on thinking about this example. I, if Pfizer, Merck, Johnson and Johnson and, and opened up their, their research and let AI run through their research, we'd probably cure wow. all diseases in the wow. next decade. But and so, but that level of collaboration won't happen because of the current profit, and that's where alternate economic systems come into play. That's where cryptocurrency and blockchain starts to make sense, and a changing of the guard as far as our economy goes. 
we can't um Winston Churchill I don't know if it's Winston Churchill or or, or, or Einstein has been quoted but from both right but it's the thoughts that created them uh um the, the our, our problems can't be solved by the thoughts that created them the same type of thinking that created them and I think that that's the that that's where we're at right now we're at a place where we have to start thinking about things differently yeah. we can't preserve things right now we're thinking about holding back AI because it's going to disrupt the job economy when really we should thinking about the way in which AI can support a future where jobs just don't make a lot of jobs don't make sense. Yep. You know, ever since Roomba was invented, anybody <laughs> vacuuming a floor is probably in a bad place and, and eventually, but iRobot is doing bad on, in stock market terms mm -hmm. right now while there's somebody still that has a job vacuuming a floor and it's really all these things are going to change in the future. Automation, as far as transportation, um, other, I was on. I've been on four podcasts this week, and one of them, the 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 author of the host of the podcast, wrote an article recently about the Tesla Cybertruck. And so, if we look into forward twenty years, automation should definitely be the norm when it comes to transportation of goods, not just trucking, but drone deliveries and different things like that are going to diminish the ability for people to gain uh, income that way. We should start repurposing society to support that. We should start helping those people plan for the, a better future without that because it's a likelihood. Um, and if we don't do it, the only thing that I could say is certain places may not do it and may not speed into the future. But those companies, that those countries that do, like the Middle East, because of their resources and their focus, and they know that their oil, they've already hit peak oil in the 70s. They already know that they have to be planning for the future and sustainable energy, automation and cryptocurrency and all these things. They're going to just leapfrog us and going forward into the future. And places like China and others that are embracing of this are going to be in a better place. And we as Americans need to start really embracing the fact that the future is coming regardless of whether we like it or not. And we have to get prepared for that. And I think that that's more. Um, da Vinci during his lifetime was extremely limited by the materials that he had. He had planes, plans for planes, helicopters and other things, but his materials were limited. Jacques Fresco, who died <laughs> a couple of years ago, had his plans limited by the structural, by the structure of society. All of his plans were good, all of his plans could be implemented, but the structure of society disallowed that plan to happen. And to see how far backwards we've come, we can't currently build another Great Wall of China with our resources. We don't even know how to build uh, a pyramid. And for reference of how long ago the pyramids were built, Cleopatra was born closer to the iPhone than she was born to the, to the construction of the pyramids. So we've lost... We've lost information and lost ability right now. And there's no way we're going to catch up continuing to do things the way we're doing them. Man, that was really well said. And it makes me excited because I, I think it's in some ways we're speaking to the ideas of centralization versus decentralization. And it seems to me that centralization had its place in the industrial revolution. On some level, that helped us build this giant machine, but it's so antiquated right now. You know, I once heard a quote that said, when the instrument 
becomes institutionalized, then the corruption begins. And it doesn't matter what ism you use as that instrument. You know what? It's all rusted. It don't work anymore. <laughs> Man, you're, all, you're, you're, you're speaking my mind. And that's what I say. It's like we're trying to fit a rocket engine back inside of a horse. The horse is dying. Anyway. The horse was dying anyways. The whole reason that cryptocurrency was invented was so that we didn't, all of humanity didn't die along with the horse. And now you're trying to figure out a way to make it fit into the horse. Yeah. The horse is dying. The yeah. economy is, is we are in the midst of a debt crisis, a liquidity crisis. We have several different issues, war, famine, poverty, all caused by the current structure of the economy. And we want to try to make this thing fit. And then the sad thing is that these two adoption cycles 2017 and 2021 brought with them people who didn't have any idea of the ethos of cryptocurrency, the reasoning behind it, but wanted it, but began using it as a way to make money or an investment yeah. and did and really made it useless through that process. Mm -hmm. And then those people are proponents of trying to figure out a way to make it fit into the system that it was made to help us at least have an option against. I think there's a great option for cash. I think cash and 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 currencies, especially if we actually had currencies that were printed up by governments instead of by banks, that would be an amazing, amazing turn. And it'd be great that the American people had actually had their own money. I would be a proponent of that. And then cryptocurrency could be taxed through the and, and help to fund that system. But right now, our income tax doesn't go to pay for roads or schools or hospitals, our income tax goes to pay on a debt that's ever that's growing forevermore, and there's no way out of it. Except, and so we at least need to have this other option, which we do with Bitcoin. We have mm -hmm. another option, but it's just a matter of taking a choice to option and the criminalization of that or the institutionalization of that yep. are both wrong paths to take in the efforts to stave those things off and all of the arguments made around cryptocurrency, oh, it could be hacked. Oh, it could be used for illicit acts. Well, identity theft and your, is happening every day, and your bank account is hacked every single day. So we're not arguing against bank, account, uh, bank accounts. Um, cash is used for most illicit activity, but everybody wants to preserve printed money, but printed money, even way, more so than cryptocurrency, is the best tool for doing yeah. illegal things in the world. And that's why it's used for doing all of the illegal things in the world. Your drug dealer wants cash. Yeah. Um, and especially yeah, cartels yeah. love cash because they can move it around and things like that. So, Man, I love it. I love every second of it. You know what? I want to get into this. I want to... Uh, sometimes I, I, I tend to fire off in all kinds of directions, man. But I'm going to try to maintain my direction. We're here. one and the same. We're one and yeah, the same. Yeah, I know we are, man. I know we are. You know, we're going to get into this, this idea of momentics that, momentics that you talked about in a previous podcast a long time ago. But I want to draw a parallel between the unrealized dreams of the boomer generation that is dying and the way that the system is trying to be preserved. Like there's such, the, there's such a giant class of boomers throughout the world. And a lot, of, a lot of boomers and a lot of people that are still holding existing power have these old existing ideas of how the world should be. And in a weird way... Whether you see the crypto coming up, you see the ideas of 
you know, people innovating from the bottom and creating their own brand in their own personal stuff. There's all these new ideas that are bubbling up from the ground and exploding. But the same way you see people trying to put the rocket engine back in the horse, you know, we're, we're still spending money that way. Do you think it's just like, is this just an evolutionary process? Like the tide going in and the tide coming out, this older generation slowly dying out and new, new ideas emerging. Is this something that, that like, you know, just is, is, is nature is, are we expanding and contracting? We've expanded. Now we're contracting. You're getting ready to blow up again. What do you think? Man, I think you need to talk to an anthropologist. I'm a political scientist. There's probably an anthropologist that can answer that a lot better. Um, but I would say that they lived during a time that where a lot of things were realized. They, uh, yeah. they, the boomer generation lived amongst a great time where we had a lot of uh, growth economically and they, and they lived inside of this bubble where they had, a, where they had more than their parents. And right. They invented this this mortgage and they started just handing out money and they've been handing out money for years and they don't realize and and some of them may not realize that right. this generation is the first generation in years in America that has it worse off than their parents and that has a less likelihood of the of the American dream than their parents and while wages are basically going this way um, going horizontally. At the same time, the cost of living and the cost of food and all these things continue to rise. And the amount of, of jobs are continue to go down. Our unemployment numbers are actually kind of manipulated numbers because they only mention the people who are collecting unemployment. They don't mention the people who have given up on yeah. seeking employment or the people who were never employed or the people who are currently incarcerated in the United States Yep. That basically is a big uh, thing. Or the people in the military that are one of our largest employment programs of the United States. And if you take away some of those things, the unemployment rates for actual jobs that contribute to society are really, really low. And we got to figure out a way to kind of adjust. And, and I think that that is a part of, 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 of society and civilization, that they go through boom and bust cycles. Yeah. And, all and all civilizations at some point fail. We've um, we've gone pretty pretty long, especially being at the top of the heap yep. in the United States. And I think that it's time that that we uh, either adjust if we want to stay there, or we have to, or we're going to have to take the hit and fall further and further behind. And it shouldn't be. The saddest thing is that because of our way our political system is structured, people that. And the way our society is structured, even in the tops of corporations, people that had to learn how to use a pager for the first time or had to learn how to use a cell phone are now predictors of the future and inhibitors of the future and having their hands on that. Not saying that plenty of them are the scientists that saw the future, but the by and large, the vast majority of society doesn't understand the things legislators, just like journalists, don't understand the things that they're talking about and writing about fully. And they shouldn't have an opinion on things that they, you should reserve your opinion for things in which you have expertise around. For subject matters in which you have expertise around, have an opinion there because it's an informed opinion. Otherwise, the only thing that you can inform your opinion around are your biases. And you can be misled and misinformed around a subject matter. And I see that 
when I hear people on the Hill talking about um, cryptocurrency and artificial intelligence. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's the voice of the donors that speaks from the top of the Hill and is told everyone on the bottom is just supposed to take this as gospel. Like it's sort of this 10 commandments from the donor class. Like this is how things will be. The dollar is mighty. It's all garbage, man. I, I, I see the world of cryptocurrency and, and we talked a little bit about parallel economies. You know, when I, when I see some of the, of the articles coming out in your newsletter, I see you reaching out to people and showing them like, Hey, here's a list of resources that you as an individual can go to, whether it's, you know, mobile monkey or mini chat, or here's a, you can go to GitHub and take this and put this together. Like, you are in so many ways doing so many cool things to show people places and resources they can go where they can begin learning about the future without going to an Ivy League school where they don't have to sit down with someone, but they can actually go there and start playing around and putting pieces together, man. That, I love that, Israel. That's a cool thing to do. How did that come about, man? Out of necessity, basically. So I, you know, I'm, I didn't, I should have went to school for computer science. I, I wanted to go to school for computers and business. I already had, I thought I had business all focused out because I had already made money and done business before I went to school. Right. And then um, computer science, someone kind of prejudiced me against, prejudiced me against it. And then later on, I started twiddling. I built my first website in around, around 2008. And then 2009, I started playing and building things with PHP and, and databases and things like that. And my, I spent up a Bitcoin node and learned to get yeah. technical around uh, because of cryptocurrency at the time. And I've and I, out of necessity, I've never had the ability budgetarily to go and have someone build a website. And, all, and actually, I was able to access capital for years by being that person that could build a thing. And I saw, okay, I'm working for you. You're about to pay this person $15,000 for a website. Well, I'll do it for five or for two or whatever I could get. And really just, um, and so I have this do it yourself mentality and that do it yourself mentality actually held me back for years. And now I have a do it with others mentality where others where, okay, you're an expert at this. I know how to do this. But you did go to school from computer science and you're not feeling around in the dark every time you hit a hurdle and this and that. So here, let me empower you. And how do we create complete teams and how do we bring people together to fill each other's gaps? And there's somebody out there. There's somebody out there with a ton of money that doesn't know how to do with it. That's not using it properly or that hasn't invested in a way that's actually scaling their capital. Meanwhile, there's people out there that are searching for capital that are able to build things. Then there's people that then though they are able to build things, nine out of 10 startups fail because they don't know how to actually make money. They don't know how to move fast enough to make money or preserve money. And so now they need people like me that can, oh, I'm going to challenge your assumptions. I'm going to help you do this cheaper than you possibly could have ever done it. And I'm going to focus on us actually making money. And if we're not actually making money, let's stop focusing on that. Let's at least have some type of secure revenue stream. Because you're not going to be able to build this and depend on your next raise without revenue, without capital. The more revenue you have, the higher your multiple, your re the more your revenue is going, the better the proof is that you deserve more capital. Otherwise, you're running around here building a thing 
utilizing millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars to build something that you haven't even tested in the market. Nobody's buying it. And you're trying to sell it to somebody else. And I see so many founders getting caught up in that. And so that just happened to me over time. I've worked on so many things. I've seen so many failures, both from small business scale to the large business scale from the inside. I understand what's going wrong here. And I, I know what the solution is. The solution is people. And now it's just about getting people to understand what can actually happen if a group of people come together around a thing. And I wish that I was more opportunistic um, during 2021. I would have created a DAO, but I wanted, but for me, DAOs really were automated things and you had to build out the actual automated infrastructure rather auto autonomous infrastructure rather than have people being the autonomous layer in the DAO. But so many DAOs became big because of that. And some were mis-executed poorly like the Constitution DAO. And then NFTs came out and so many people were able to raise money utilizing NFTs. But those people weren't able to actually make money themselves or didn't believe in the vision. I, when I do business, I'm always looking for missionaries not mercenaries. I'm looking for comrades, not contractors. So if I, we get a million dollars and we start something, it doesn't matter when that money runs out. We're going to finish this. We're going to keep going because that's what we told our investors that we're going to do. And if whatever hit I have to take lifestyle wise to continue on this journey, and if I'm doing something and it wasn't working, I'm not going to waste money while it's not working let's figure out how if, if we could groupon started out as a political um activism uh app it took people from one place to another were organizing protests and things like that meetups those people um didn't those people uh, didn't actually grab onto the app the app was unsuccessful suddenly groupon in its failing stages says, we're going to make a coupon for pizzas downstairs. They sold 12 pizzas. They pivoted their business model around that because they understood that this worked because they had a comparison of failure to compare it to. Mm. A lot of people haven't gone through enough failures to know what success looks like. And success mm. is actually completing an app or getting another investor. But that's not success. Success is somebody, a market actually believing in your thing. And if you can't pivot or change your, your business structure um, to fit a new market, then you're going to die. And you have, so adaptability, we're in the age of AI and Web3, the ability to adapt to forthcoming realities is the greatest tool that we have. And, you know, but I've, I've, only, I've learned all of this through experience. Man, that's that's so beautiful. In some ways, it seems to me like the new currency is relationships. And when you were talking about the way in which you choose, you know, comrades over contractors, you know, your use of language seems to be your use of language and your understanding of relationships and business and people seems to mirror the way in which strategies work in cryptos and NFTs. Like there's a there's a real big understanding there and, and it's 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 kind of mind-blowing to think about the way in which we relate to each other is the foundation on which we're going to build a better world man maybe you could speak to that a little bit 
Yeah, um, my friend Kerry says collaboration is the new currency. So you're definitely on, on key there. And the thing is that relate though this though this could work, people often there's a, there's a certain group of people, and we see this happening in politics. We see this happening in companies. And you saw it happening in high school. There was a person that wasn't necessarily the best person to do a thing. They weren't the nicest person. There wasn't the nicest guy that got the most girls. It was the guy that maybe was the best at manipulation or best at cues and things like that. Right. And that same person is very successful in these realms. These people that can manipulate a mass group of people yeah. that fit the things, and they may not even know that they're doing it. They've just naturally been born to pull people together around leadership. But that thing, but on the other side of that, that person has to be willing to sacrifice themselves. Um, I think that that's the new thing: is that to really do something great as a group, the leader has to put themselves. Leaders eat last. Is a book. Ah, I love that book, man. Yeah, <laughs> so leaders eat last, so you have to really embody that ethos. I, I believe in Web three. You have to worry less. I, I I was asked a question years ago. Would you rather have ten million dollars and not be able to give it to anyone, or would you rather have one million dollars and be able to give away one hundred million dollars? And I'm the second person. I I do not. The for me, the ability to bring to life the things that I want to bring to life. And that's how you really do great things. Elon Musk has driven himself near poverty multiple times to do, to, to be able to do the next thing. He has put his whole wealth on the line and this and that. And that's the only reason he was able to realize it, his vision. And you, so you, you're like, that's where his missionaries over mercenaries is you have to have a vision. Your vision has to be so strong and so overpowering that you won't let it die. All of these, a lot of these NFT projects, they were focused on creating a common business structure with a payroll, not where people eat what they kill or eat because they get value. And then once the payroll runs out, the team falls apart and then no longer. And now that, and now the, all the buyers, 10,000 people that trusted you with their money are asked out. And I've and I so many projects that I bought into failed um, because of that. And I and I and I realized that now as I'm building this community that I'm building now, that that's the, the goal is to create my goal in life is to create environments in which all types of genius can thrive with emphasis on the all and that focus and every single person. If, if I if 10,000 people join my community, it may ta take me a year, two years, three years to talk to every single person individually and get to know every person individually. So I started out with a 777 NFT collection because I know I can know 777 people in a year individually. And how can I help you as an individual improve your life? And guess what? How can we help each other? So that's the real power of it is okay, I'm showing you by my example, I'm willing to help you do whatever you want to do. Are you willing to embody the same example and help everyone else? And then in turn, next thing you know, 700 people are willing are helping every one person. And we have all of the resources, all of the abilities, everything that we need to do this thing. And its possibility is on us as a group. 
And that's when things really get powerful, when people stop putting responsibility on leadership and hoping right. that leadership will make will create some magic wizard wand and make everybody richer and everybody more successful. But instead, each person takes an individual responsibility to contribute to community in such a way that they make the community more valuable. And people, when they look at projects like Board Apes, they don't yeah. see that that's what actually happened. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk and V Friends is a different thing because he has a whole corporate structure, 20 years of experience, relationships and all these things to build this thing around and gain value around it. But the biggest project of monetarily Board Apes what they had is in their early members, they were getting people from the major talent agencies and getting people of note and this and that. And people were bringing their, bringing their friends in and bringing that value in and creating value for the community. And so the thing becomes more valuable. And then, in their, then they're talking to investors and VCs and getting them to believe in the thing. And uh, the value was over was was way higher than the actual value of the thing. But that's actually because the leadership isn't actually intentionally creating the most valuable ecosystem that they possibly can. And so I'm so my focus is trying to do that. I, and, and I really believe that that's the key to making these things. An NFT, they say a diamond is forever. An NFT is forever. It's a token. It's non-fungible. It can't be broken around. It's on the blockchain. It's going to exist forever. If you don't have a forever plan on how you're going to make a community more valuable to its members forever, then you shouldn't even start in this realm. Man, it's deep. It's deep. It's tough for me to wrap my mind around forever, though. Like, that's a long time, man. Like, you know, how, how do you how do you balance that? Like, I love the passion behind creating an idea that lasts forever or better yet inspires forever. What, what, yeah, that's what it takes, right? It's that ability to see a vision and then translate that vision into reality in the mind of the others and empower them to move forward. It's, it's almost like you're creating a new pattern, man. That's it. And it's, and you said you struck on it. You said the minds of the others because me there, you know, I, I could, I could disappear tomorrow. But if the people, and then if I do disappear tomorrow, here's the thing. If I do disappear tomorrow, the, the keys to that smart contract disappear with me. Everything disappears with me. Um, or if I or if I burn my other key and send it somewhere, then I can't do anything with the contract. And the contract just becomes this forever thing. Yeah. And these, these, these NFTs become symbols. They become relics. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and they become symbols of, a, of an ideology. And that's why rather than, you know, I've been trepidatious to put myself out there because every human being is fallible and all these different things. And I'm not really, that's not my goal. My goal is to make the community far bigger than I am. My goal is to make my companies far bigger than I am and not have them depend on me as an individual. As we see, if someone else had bought Twitter besides Elon Musk, a controversial figure, the conversation would be completely different. But he bought it and everybody hates Elon and this and that. And, 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 they're, and, and, and they're putting their prejudices and their biases on Elon and embedding them in the thing. And it's losing and it's lost some traction because of that or it's changed the community in result of that. But ideas and, and especially a good idea going, going back to memes, you right. know, medics. Yeah. Is, 
thing where there's a viral nature to ideas. Richard Dawkins wrote a book called The Selfish Gene that basically in 1976 that went into this idea and introduced this idea of memetics. And it's crazy enough, in my expository writing class um, at Rutgers, I got, got introduced to this idea in 2007 and before it became a popular term. And I think that that's one, one thing you were talking about, how, um, how, I'm, how I'm always getting the future. And I don't think that that's like anything intentional. I think I'm just, I, I'm just aware of things. I, I'm deeply involved in the things that I'm aware of and I'm interested. Curiosity is my thing. So I, um, we were just talking about nerds and geeks and nerds basically are by definition is a person who obsesses over a thing to the neglect of all other things. And at some points, that's an issue. It becomes a social issue when I don't want to talk about anything else but this thing that I'm interested in. But it's a superpower when you're doing the thing and working on the thing. And so creating that, creating this, this culture where people are focused on intentionally recognizing the genius, the greatness, the goodness in others, and embedding their value in these other people and creating and co-creating value together. Um, I think that there's explosive, there's explosive nature to such a thing because you know people really have all this value to give, but it, and it all, but also to say that it's very hard. But I've been working on this in a, a group setting for the last nine months, and as crazy how a baby is born in nine months, mm -hmm. coming out of our gestation period, and now the baby is being born in the last. 10 days, we've reached close to 100 members. And so if that if, if growth keeps going on the same track, we'll be over a thousand plus by the next 90 days. And in next by next year, we'll close out. I think I want to close out the community uh, in keeping with the seven theme, close out the community at 7,777 members with 777 core founding members and a variety of different interests that intersect with culture and technology. Man, you know, it's common to give a baby a name when they're born. What's your baby's name? What's the name oh, of this I, baby that was born? Oh, yeah, well, it's ICGNU. That's been the name. Um, it's IC, five letters, ICGNU. Um, I constantly gain new understanding, or I see God in you. Um, ah, I love it, man. You no, know, and so just, re just really... Um, just really uh, focused on that and focus on building something. I really want to build a home for people. I really want to build a home where people are lack judgment, um, mm -hmm. deal with forgiveness, recognize the, more, the best of our traits and augment them with the traits of others rather than recognizing the best of your traits, then seeing your flaws, judging you for your flaws and disowning you for your flaws when I, you know, especially if we're embracing our flaws, I know what I don't do. And I, and, and I, and I continually attempt to find colleagues who do what, what I don't, what I don't do well. And it, but in turn that it's happened repeatedly that those people then believe that their trait is more valuable than my trait. And then they think that they can do what I can do. And then they attempt to go do it, but you know, to, to do what you could do with me, you're going to have to find another me. And each of us are rare. 
Each of yeah. us are that other, that X factor. And, and, and success is a game. True success and perpetual success is a game of 100%. And so you can have a guy that walks into a room and one guy gets 90%. Another person gets 80% on the test. Then another person gets 25%. The world is dealing with these 90 and 80 percenters, but that 20 percenter may have got all the questions right that those other two got wrong. And when you have those people together, mm. suddenly you have a complete picture. You're able to be successful at a whole nother level. And too often we disregard those people unless those people have mastered being likable. So like how to win friends and influence people or the 48 laws of power. Yeah. These are 48 Laws of Power gets celebrated as this book on success, but it's really a book on manipulation and on and, and taking advantage and this and that. And yes, you can embody those principles, but those, and those principles may serve you, but will they serve the greater good of society? And are you actually being of service to moving things in a positive direction? And I would say more often than not that those who, who influence people, we see this with influencer culture. They're not actually actually influencing them to be better. We have some of those influencers that are focused on that, but you can influence a person to do anything. And Hitler knows that, knew that very well. Yeah, it's so true. It, the, you know, it, it kind of kind of reminds me of of like Carl Jung in a way. It's like if you want to know what you need to work on as a person. Think about the things you hate about other people. All day long, people are showing you what you need to work on. Every time you get irritated, that's the world showing you what's wrong with you. Hey, I don't like this person because they're weak. No, you're weak. Hey, I don't like this person because they always do this. No, you do that. And if you yeah. can begin to see the world that way, do you walk around with a constant smile on your face? Like, oh, hey, thanks, world. Oh, look what you did for me today, bird. You know what I mean? The world's constantly dancing with you. If you're willing to realize that you just have two left feet, the world is a beautiful dancer, but it's showing you constantly what you got to work on. And it's hard because, man, I'm a, I am a I am flawed, Israel. I got all these problems, man. But the world's constantly like, take it easy, George. I'm going to show you some things today. Don't get upset. Don't take it personal. But you got to work on this, you big dummy. You you know, you it's so cool to see. In some ways, like, okay, let me try to let me try to parse that. In some ways, I think we're beginning to speak a language for the very first time. And what I mean by that is that, you know, we, we all learn, at least in the Western world, this idea of, you know, uh, linear thinking by the language we are taught. A is a letter in the word apple. So you have a letter, a word, a sentence, a paragraph, a page, a book, an encyclopedia, you know, and it's all these little cogs and it teaches us to think so linear. You know, on some level, that's how we begin to learn to speak. This is a building block of this. This is a building block of this. Okay, we got to figure it figured out. But now all of a sudden, we have like AI to help us speak a bigger, better language that can be beheld. So the word part of our language was like the last 200 years. Okay, now we have the letters. Now we're going to introduce this imagery coming in here. And that's going to be another part of the language. I'm going to show you this image. I'm going to talk behind it. And I'm going to throw some emotion in here. Now we can really begin to build a system of communication where we aren't guessing what the other person means about it. 
And how much of the conflicts that we've built in this world are based on miscommunication, whether it's your girlfriend, your wife, your kid, a loved one. Communication is a giant problem. Half the times you and I are using the same words with different definitions. How the hell are we going to get anything done, man? But guess what? I think it was Philo Judeus who said the next logos will be a language to be beheld. And if you look what you're doing with NFTs, if you look what we're doing when we use imagery and memes, what you're beginning to see is language evolved. I'm telling you what the world we're moving into, Israel, is so exciting for those who are watching. Like, ah, and if you want to get a good glimpse, take a giant dose of mushrooms, man. Take a find a psychedelic out there that will put you in front of the ineffable. And you will begin to see that you'll come into this world, you come out of it. And the magic that can happen there, man. Woo! Thanks for letting me share that, man. I've been thinking about that for a while. Thank you, man. I think that that's a great place to end it. I've got a 130 okay. scrum. But yeah, it was good talking to you, man. I look forward to okay. linking with you. Um, hopefully you join the community and we can feature this podcast and get some, yeah, more, man. Get some more members on the podcast. And yeah, I look forward to it. George, and if you need anything from me, give me a heads up. Yeah, man, right back at you, man. Everybody check out the newsletter. Israel's crushing it over there. He has a really unique way of, of looking into the world and helping people, and you've already heard about his philosophy. Check out his newsletter. Subscribe. The notes will be in the show notes down there. Check them out. That's all we got for today. Hang on real fast, Israel. I'm going to talk to you briefly after this, but I'm going to shut it down here with the people. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I would just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision and I hope you all conquer it and I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better, your life will be better and you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.